Dear Father, I thank You for Your goodness. I thank You for Your faithfulness. I thank You for Your Word. I thank You that we're here together here tonight to recognize that You are the beginning and the end. That You are our source and our strength of everything that we do. So Father, I pray that in these moments as we look into Your Word through this great story, that You would open our hearts and our minds to what You have for us tonight. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to ask you guys, if you've got your uh, mobile device or your real authentic paper Bible, uh, to open up to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah, um, back in the day, we used to make corny pastor jokes, so I'll throw one out. Who is the shortest person in the Bible? Nehemiah. <laughs> so bad. Cindy's like, Jeff, why didn't you pass that one up? It's embarrassing. Um, so if you look in your Bible, you'll actually see that it, uh, Nehemiah is parked next to the book of Ezra. Um, and it's in the Old Testament. You got First and Second Chronicles um, in front of that. And you can kind of make your way uh, to Ezra, then Nehemiah. If you go to Esther, Job, Psalms, or Proverbs, you're a little bit far to the right. Stay to the left, okay? So, Nehemiah, let me just give you an idea here. And look at that. Got a fancy little logo. I'm feeling good. Nehemiah is credited for building the wall back. And a lot of people who've gone to church since they were kids know about Nehemiah. He accomplished something that was absolutely architecturally uh, a phenomenon beyond measure. He was able to take this wall that was put together by human hands and human labor um, and skilled people, uh, and he did it uh, with just very limited resources in the space of about 52 days. He accomplished the whole task. Miles of wall to fortify a city. Nehemiah um, was uh, working in the, the main centers of society at the point with a king named Artaxerxes. And he was the, uh, one of the sons of King Xerxes, which is funny. I, I don't know. I don't know how you name people. Hi, my name is Xerxes. This is my son Artaxerxes. And this is Notaxerxes. I don't know. Whatever. You go on. But Artaxerxes was the king. And these guys were not people to be trifled with. Okay, so it wasn't like, you know, uh, me and Artaxerxes, we're like best buds and bros and we hang out and we just do things together. No, honestly, the people that worked for these guys, they were generally afraid of them. They saw themselves as gods, as figures of Godhead. And they they ruled with an iron fist. It was not a, a generally nice type of deal. And if you were in the presence of the king... You had, at any given moment, if the king had a bad day, uh, woke up wrong, or decided you weren't useful anymore, he could have you taken out quick. So to have a position that was near to the king was both an honor and a pretty frightening deal. Nehemiah, at the time, you'll see in verse 11, was the cupbearer to the king. Big job. Lots of contact with the king. And, And Nehemiah had seen that um, you know, his people were gathering together again because they had gone, and you can, you can read back through history, and I'm not going to give you a big history lesson, but you can go back through the history and see that the children of Israel, that the people, God's chosen people, had been through it. They had been through some 
horribly devastating times. Their country had been uh, left just completely smashed and burned and torn down. And all the walls that had previously existed for their society, the thing that kept them safe was the wall. If the wall was up, you could do all kinds of stuff. But with no walls, there was no safety. And, and so basically, they had been overtaken, everything destroyed, and they had spread out. Well, Nehemiah begins the story in recognition that the people had started to gather again into the land that God had prepared for them. And they had gathered together and they were kind of a ragtag band of people. But they had come back because they knew that this was where they were supposed to be and what they were supposed to be doing. And they knew this was the place they were supposed to be. And Nehemiah gets word that, that his people, God's people, and his kin were gathering together, but that things were not good. And I'm going to take you, after he receives the word, into verse 4 of Nehemiah chapter 1. If you want to follow in your Bible, I'm reading the New Living Translation because it's kind of easier to read. Um, you can go in NIV or whatever. You'll, just, you'll get the flow. Okay, There's nothing huge different, but it's just a little easier to read. It says, when I heard this, that's Nehemiah because he's writing this down. When I heard this, I sat down and I wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Just keep rolling and I'll keep reading. Then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps His covenant of unfailing love with those who love Him and obey His commands, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly, but by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. But please remember what you told your servant Moses. I love it when people use God's word back at him, right? Remember, remember what you said. Remember what I mean, right? So here's, here's what he says If you're unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. Yeah, he did say that. But if you return to me, and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. For the people you rescued by the great power and strong hands are your servants. And then here's the last verse. He says, O oh Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. In other words, not everyone, but those of us who call on your name, who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put into his heart to be kind to me. And I love how he ends this. It's, there's a space in the Bible if you're reading along. It says, and in those days, I was the king's cupbearer. Now the story goes on, and what we don't realize is that Nehemiah actually, because of the job he does and the things that he does and his faithfulness down the road, gets elevated to a position of like governor. And he's, he's esteemed as something like, he's big time down the road. But in this moment, he's saying, I was but a servant who sat in the presence of the king day and night. And I was begging God. God. Please don't let the king kill me today. But I know you've got something for me to do. 
So here's where we're going with this deal. We're going to do four weeks talking about Nehemiah. And if you, I would encourage you just start reading the book of Nehemiah. It's not a huge long read. You could read it in a couple sittings in a couple days, just during your devotional time, just read it and read it a few times through. Cause I believe that the Lord will begin to speak to your heart. And that's, that's really the way most of us who study the word, we kind of do that. We don't need an extra book. We don't need, you know, let me get some study guides out and line this out. No, God will speak to you. He will clarify what it is. He's trying to tell you as you just continue to pour over and read the word. But in this series, what I want to do is I want to take us to a place of prayer, to a place of understanding. Like this story is about the walls, but I subtitled this God rebuild us. Because while he's talking about the walls, there was something else happening in the hearts of the children of Israel. They were being brought home. They were being brought to a new place. They were being revived and restored. And God was doing a good work and a faithful work. And God was building in them because what those walls did, for so long they reminded people every time they look at those walls that God was protecting them. That was like a physical representation that they were protected. They were covered. They were taken care of. Once God had taken down the walls so that they could walk in and now there were walls surrounding and this was a, a sign back that God was with them and God was protecting them. And in this place where they had once been scattered all out, they were gathering back together. And the word that Nehemiah got was, it's been a lot of years and those walls still haven't come back. And when Nehemiah heard this, he knew that there were a few things taking place. One, without walls, there's no protection from people that want to come and destroy and attack in the night. I had a friend from Kenya when I was going to college. He was a, we ran track together. He was much faster for a longer time than I ever was. His name was John. And I remember asking John, I said, you know, tell me like a crazy story about Kenya. He said, well, he's like, at night you hear a lot of stuff. I was like, at night? Yeah, I never thought about nighttime in Kenya. And he said, especially when you lived in our houses. I'm like, tell me about your house, man. He was like, well, it's like grass and mud and we just make huts. I was like, no way you lived in a hut. He was like, dude, seriously. Except he said it in John's way, which was a whole different, anyway. But... He was like, here's, here's the crazy thing. He said, when I was a kid, I remember I'd have to sleep against the wall because my sisters slept in the middle and my parents and they would keep us and I had to sleep against the wall. And he said, I remember I could hear the lions walking around our village in the night. And he said, and then I would hear my dad praying that the lions wouldn't kill our goats. That's all we would pray is like, God, don't let the lions kill our goats tonight. Don't let the lions kill our goats tonight. I'm like, goats? What about you? <laughs> right? And then he was like, but that's not the craziest one. That's not the craziest one at all. I'm like, what? What could get crazier than that? He said, the gorillas. I'm like, what? No, there's no gorillas. I saw the gorillas in the Mist movie. They, no, that's not happening, right? He was like, no, Jeff, this was the craziest thing. He said, one night I was up against the wall, and I'm listening out, you know, and you're kind of just listening, and it's quiet, and I hear it against the wall. Boom, boom, boom. So I kind of like leaned closer. He said, I could, the, the gorilla had leaned up against the wall and was tapping on the wall of the house. And he said, and he was like on the other side, and I could like hear, 
He's like, I was sleeping with gorillas. He's like, now that, that's scary. And I would ask John, like, how did you feel safe? How did you know? He said, well, we put up these fences in general, but as long as we knew we were inside, we knew we would be safe. And that picture came back to me as I was reading this, just thinking, okay, so you have a group of people who are finally coming home, and you've got groups of people who live around them. The Sumerians lived around them. The Philistines lived around them. And what they would see is just as you started to make way, just as soon as you started to build up your herd or, or get the things that you needed, and finally you're getting your house up, they'd come in and they'd knock it down. Why? Because we don't want you guys coming back as strong as and powerful as you once were. We don't want you to come back with, with vision and with this God that you serve. We don't want you to come back. Why? Because we know if you and God come back to this place, there will be nothing that can stop you. And that puts us at risk. And so time after time, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, they build up, boom, to get knocked back down. Verse 4 says, When I heard this, I began to weep. Began to weep. Here's where this comes for us. I want us to hear and understand this. The first thing that happened, the first thing that took place with Nehemiah was not running to Lowe's to get fence building material. The first thing he did was he sat down And he wept. So here's what I would say. Sometimes the first action that we need to take as God's people, asking Him to rebuild us, is to stop and let it all sink in. See, typically, if you're anything like me, what I want to do is I want to go, the walls are down. we got to go rescue them. Right? we got to go take care of it. Let's go. Let's get a group of people together and let's go over there and let's just nail this thing. But Nehemiah set a strong precedent. The first thing he did was he cried. I don't know that beside a Hallmark movie, I've had much that's caught my attention to the point of making me have tears. I don't drive, I, I gotta be honest with you, like, and you may be disappointed with me, but I don't drive around Visalia and see people in need and like weep over it. I don't. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, in, in fact, I'm, I'm typically more annoyed than anything else. Like, oh, come on, seriously? And then you know what happens? Our stinking kids program says, we're going to make blessing bags so that whenever we see someone in need, our kids can go and give them a bag. And it's Brooke talking. That's why I use the high voice. But we have kids that their whole thing tonight is they're going to be putting these bags together because when they see somebody in need, they want to do something about it. And they made these little cards that say, I know you might be down on your luck, but God loves you and you are chosen and you are special and you are His. Don't ever forget it. We love you. Pipeline Church. I think that's pretty rad, right? And here's what I want to encourage our church with. Sometimes the first step to God recovering our hearts and our souls is to stop and let it sink in. It says he sat for days and he wept and he mourned and he asked God, what is this all about? If we're asking God to restore us, then I think the first thing we got to do is let the gravity of what's happening sink in. 
And then the, the next thing that I put down just as I was looking through this text is lasting growth doesn't typically happen suddenly. Even still, from the very beginning of this, what we see is a guy who took some days, who took some time to let it go, to, to really feel what was happening. And then began to pace out his next steps. And here's what I want to challenge you with. A lot of people have been asking me, Jeff, when are we going to do this with our church? When are we going to do this with our church? When are we going to do this with our church? I'm saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. This church is going to be around a lot of years. We're not just making one-time shirts. We're going to make them again. Don't worry about it. We're going to do this a long time. There are going to be families and children raised up. And someday, hopefully, somebody next door is going to be the next pastor at this church. I believe that God is raising up the next group of people that are going to lead this place and going to take us to where we need to go. But we're not going to do it suddenly and we're not going to let it spring up and then wither away. So as I was looking through this text, I see Nehemiah. And then I see Nehemiah looking for meaningful restoration. So my next part of this would be that no meaningful restoration happens without God moving on our behalf. I need you to know that if, if you're all about change, right? Like you're saying, I want change, so I'm going to do this. Nothing in our community, nothing in our society changes unless God moves on our behalf. Everything else is just behavior modification. How many people from the beginning of January 1 said, I'm not going to smoke anymore. I'm not going to smoke anymore. I'm not going to smoke anymore. And by like January 3, oh my God, I thought I was going to die. <gasps> right? And then you're like, what was your uh, uh, New Year's resolution? Well, I'd rather not talk about it. I've already let it out, right? How many of you are like, I'm going to get in shape and I'm going to work out and I'm going to eat this whole pile of pizza right now, right? It's this, this idea that so many of us, we know we let ourselves down, right? All around us. And how many people make these grandiose ideas that I'm going to be, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make a change. I'm going to go and we're going to change this and we're going to do this. And they do it in their own power. And when we read this section of Scripture, one of the things that steps out to me is it says, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps His covenant of unfailing love with those who love Him and obey His commands. Listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people. I confess we have sinned against you. He's calling out and He's saying, you know who you are and I know who you are. I'm going to acknowledge you as the great and mighty God, the one who can change it all. I'm going to acknowledge you as who you really are. And with that in mind, I need you to hear us. Because I know who you are and you know who you are. I need you to know that nothing is going to happen for our future without you moving on our behalf. I can get my sticks and stones and go down the lows and grab the hammers and do all the stuff, but unless you want those walls built, nothing happens. But when you let me know to do it, it's on. And here's where I think we have to go to understanding the character of God. 
Because the next note would be that God is true, faithful, or constant, and faithful in relationship with His people. That's our God. Every morning, the Jewish people and the Jewish children could be heard quoting one section of Scripture from Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And they would declare who God is. And that's a practice that the Jewish people, the children of Israel, started early, early in the day and would continue throughout the day. And it was a practice that God established in their life because He knew that if we didn't recognize on a daily, moment-by-moment basis, we'd forget that God is true and constant and faithful. And we'd get in the way. We'd tried to solve it. I know, I know, God, I know you see the problem, but I'm just going to step in and take care of it because I think I got it figured out. He says, no, 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 no. Be still and know that I am God. I'm true. I'm constant. I'm faithful. I think the final point that I want to take us to is we just look into this. We see that all of our prayer, if we're following Nehemiah's prayer here has to be made and has to be rooted in humility. There's something that God loves about a people saying, you are God and I am not. And so our prayer tonight and and the point of this whole thing, the the point of launching off in this next couple weeks, that I believe God wants to change this community. I believe that God wants to do something powerful for through this church that we call Pipeline Church. That as we continue to grow, He will be faithful to sustain us and put us in the way of things that need to be changed and things that need to be done. But He is going to activate us and He is going to move us. And as I've been praying over this church and praying over us as a people, saying, God, let us take this Let's, let's hear what Nehemiah has to say to us. Let's hear what your word has to say with us. Would you rebuild us from the very foundation? And the first thing that came to my mind, the first word, repentance. And Jeff, I need you to humble yourself and repent. And listen to Nehemiah where he says, Your people have sinned against you. Yes, even me and my house. How much easier is it to look at your neighbor's garage and see how messed up and ugly it is? How hard is it to look at your own living room and to see what things are out of order? And so we cry out, Lord, rebuild me. Restore me. Restore in me. Maybe maybe you're here and you're not a follower of Christ. You haven't been doing this journey very long. You don't know your place with the Lord. Uh, You're kind of just feeling this thing out. I love the honesty that we get from people on our communication cards. Like, hey Jeff, I'm I'm just trying to sort this thing out. Not sure if I'm sold on it all. If you're in that place, this is where I would say, you serve a God who is true and constant and faithful. He's consistent to to do the right thing. And He's he's faithful to work in our lives. You can trust Him. 
And maybe you're a believer who's been in it for a while and you kind of have your groove, right? You you just kind of, I know how this goes. It's like batting practice. You step in there, the coach isn't trying to strike you out. You're just sending them over the fence, right? I got this. I've been doing church a long time, man. He says, I want to rebuild you. I want to restore you. I was talking to Cindy uh, this morning and just sharing a little bit about what we were doing here tonight. And I said, you know, the crazy thing to me is in reading this story, when I read that part in the Scripture where it says that he wept and he found himself in a place of mourning, I couldn't help but get the picture out of my head of Nehemiah sitting there going, I live in this palace next to the most powerful man in all of the human planet. And I've done nothing to help his people. And then I started thinking of myself. Where are the places where I've sat in my house in good old USA and I've sat back and done nothing to help those that God really loves and wants to draw home. Where's my fire? Where's my intensity? Where's my passion? Where's my love for God that says, you can't shut me up about this? God is saying this. Church, you want to be rebuilt, the first place you start is repentance. Let me pray. God, we come before you tonight and wow, I feel like I've got a loaded text that we've been trying to go through and that we'll spend the next couple weeks in. Father, I pray that you would inspire some of us to read the Scripture like never before, that you would open our hearts and minds to the things that you have to share with us in your Word, and that you would help us to understand you on a deeper level, a a more full level, a more full understanding and knowledge of you, Lord. But the first place we want to start tonight is in humility saying, we are not enough. That nothing changes unless you change it. That we're willing to slow down and and just stop and rest in the unrest of what's around us. That we're not going to rush to arms just to try and handle all the business while the God we serve is true and consistent, faithful. Father, I thank you that you didn't change the recipe halfway on these people. That it wasn't uh, your words from the past not lining up with your words from the present. You truly said, if you will turn to me, if you will return to me, I will gather you and I will love you and I will protect you and I will care for you. You didn't change the recipe. You didn't change the way that was supposed to go. You didn't give us anything extra. You just said, come home. And that's repentance. And so God, we come before You and just in these few moments, we ask, would You restore us? And we start by recognizing who You are and who we are not. So church, the way I want to put you to action tonight is to give you an opportunity just in these briefest of moments 
the places that are gnawing away, the places in your heart, the places in your life that you know, that you know it's just not okay. The places where you've lost the drive or you've lost the presence of God just, just stirring in your heart. This would be a great time just to confess those things to Him. Not out loud, just in your own heart and spirit. Just you and Him. Saying, I'm coming home. Because you are God. You are faithful. You are consistent. You are true. So this is just your couple moments. And then I'll close this in prayer. So God, give us the strength. Give us the endurance. Because we know You're calling us to something. But in these moments, we just come humbly before You, recognizing that You are the one God. Behold, O Israel. Behold, church. The Lord our God is one God. And we will serve Him all the days of our life. Father, we thank You and praise You for Your goodness and your faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.